even a thing that can be said uh, mm. just welcome to another episode of the talk my credo podcast la da 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 you know what of course that was random but you know I, I just I just want to make a little quick play like that that's that will forever be one of the, the greatest hip hop songs ever just just because of just because of that that right there hey 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 I don't even smoke, but I'd be like, smoke weed every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even smoke, oh, I but Nate I do dog. it. <laughs> Rest Nate in peace was Nate on dog. all the, ho- the hooks oh, yeah. back in the day. Like, you couldn't go wrong. You couldn't go wrong. If if you need a hit that you know is going to work, call Nate Dog. Just yep. call Nate Dog. That was it. La da 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 da. Aye, man, it's it's Monday. So, KT, it's Monday. But how you doing? I'm here, bro. I'm here, <laughs> and I'm that's here. all that needs to be said, man. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm here. So you know, we, we hitting y'all with a with an extra uh, little special pod because you know the world doesn't stop, and so neither should we. Apparently, um. I really didn't have that great of a weekend, to be honest. You know, I chill. Wifey is, is officially back from Vegas, and that's a whole story of how they messed up her flight. Um, basically, she was stranded in, like, two different cities. Um, mm-hmm. that, it, it was just weird, weird. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a whole different story. But, you know, I, I may get into that a little later. Once the smoke settles and she writes her battle rap-esque review, for her experience, <laughs> and you know, and, uh, I'm like, I did pull no punches, go straight below the belt and stay there, stay there. But yeah, so we doing that. Um, you know, getting back into the the monotony of things. But listen, the the main thing, the main thing that I really want to get into is one is some overwhelming praise. And then we got to talk about, you know, the the travesty that has happened up in New York. But first and foremost, I do want to give a, a shout out and a big ups to um, the, the, the slutty vegan, which I've never been there. Have you ever been there? No, because their lines was always too dang going long. I didn't have time to yeah. stay in their lines, man. So like it was it's, it's somewhere I want to go. Like I want as, to as too. soon as soon as y'all get a slutty vegan up in North Carolina, I, I don't even, I'm not even vegan. You know, I just ate a burger like earlier today, you know, Angus beef, but in, in trying to, you know, better my diet, I've done a lot of uh, good things. I've lost 15 pounds just off changing my diet. I, I, I don't want to, I want to say diet per se, but just changing what I eat, changing when I eat, and, you know, portions and stuff like that. So, like, I really haven't done, really, no type of workout. But I'll go to Slutty Vegan just because of the history of things that has happened to her, the story of her come up, um, the 
the attempt to people trying to cancel her, then flooding her rating and, and yep things with uh, racial insults and stuff like that. And she's always come out on top. So what she has done, she she recently spoke at Atlanta University uh, graduation ceremony. She was the guest speaker there. And while she was there, she gave every graduate at Atlanta University of 2022 an LLC during the commencement ceremony. And I thought that was so dope. I thought that was so dope. We, we, we talk about how, you know, we give back, how we, you know, uphold each other, how we embolden our community. You know, if one make it, we reach back and, and help each other. And like, I like hundreds of people who are now business owners and they're just no telling what can happen in the midst of those hundred or so business owners. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be something as simple as a sock shop or, or, or can grow into the next big tech company. You know, you just never know, but mm-hmm. it's black businesses, black businesses creating black businesses. And I just found that was so dope. So I'm, I'm going to share the clip here uh, just to kind of let people hear, um, you know, so y'all can hear, from Miss Pinky Cole herself uh, of what she has done. I I just thought it was so dope. So y'all check this out. On your elevator to success, let me be your maintenance man. I have partnered with Varro Bank to provide every single graduate in this audience with a new LLC and a path to entrepreneurship. That is so dope. That's so dope. single graduate in this audience will leave this stadium as a business owner. Come on, sister. I don't think y'all heard what I said. Every single graduate will walk away with their own business. I didn't have no plan. But I'm gonna make sure that you do. That, that's, that's dope. That gave me chills just now. <laughs> yeah, because it's just this is how we empower the black community. This is how we do that. Stuff like that. Like that is so dope. So the shout mm-hmm. out to Pinky Cole, man. Um, I just always been a fan of fan of her, just again, her story. How she came up and then all the adversity she faced from ignorant people. Uh, even people trying to cancel her, like she just so much stuff. But her her empire uh, has been, and her rise has been amazing and inspiring. And this just just wow, because there's just no telling. Out of those hundreds of of graduates there, there's just no telling what can happen. There's no telling, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. So shout out to Pinky Cole. Congratulations to Atlanta University graduates of 2022. Congratulations on that LLC, new business owners, entrepreneurs. Let's change the world. That's that's black excellence right there. That's black excellence. So you want to know what else is black excellence? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mr. Morale and the big steppers. Listen. Now, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. You haven't? I haven't heard the whole thing yet, but I've heard uh, I heard a good portion of it. No. 
Okay, well that's fine because I'm still gonna spoil everything. I'm gonna spoil, time, man. I, I understand, but <laughs> I'm gonna spoil everything. 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 I'm <laughs> gonna spoil everything because the great thing, one of the, I want to say silver lining because going home to just do absolutely nothing uh, at the parents' house, it, it it was great. So I went home, saw the saw the parents down in Shelby. North Carolina uh, brought the kids, so they got to run around, you know, my mom and papa's house, tearing stuff up. Well, I literally just laid up in the room on the computer watching TV. Like, I did nothing. So, you know, so which that was cool. That part was cool. So that, that's a three-hour drive going and coming. And throughout those three hours, or, as, or six hours, rather, all I did, all I was playing was Mr. Morale and the big steppers. So I, I got a few listens in. A few listens in. You know, and I I didn't do any skips. I just played it all the way through from track one to track 18. And that's how I have to listen to Kendrick Lamar's projects. Like Because they always tell a story. It's not Yes, there's always a story. Just, you know, yeah. random tracks. So, it's just right. It's a, exactly. a complete work. Yes. So like everything plays into the like the the one track plays into the other, which plays into the other, which affects how the ending, how the last track is. So it just, you know, I, I just have to listen to it all the way through. And one thing that I will say now, the the project is called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. But going through the story, it almost seems as if it's a little backwards. It seemed like the first half, because this is actually supposed to be like a double disc or a mm -hmm. double project, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, it's supposed to be like Mr. Morale is one project and the Big Steppers is another project. But mm -hmm. the way the, the, the project and the album flowed, it, it was almost like the Big Steppers and Mr. Morale. Because the second half, uh, it was a double disc, so it was like nine and nine. So the mm -hmm. second nine, oh my God. Now the first nine, it was like you you can feel the setup, where, you know, I I I would just have to say this one, I love artistic people, I love rebellious people, so I especially love artistically rebellious people. So, you know, I had a feeling that he was coming for some necks, and he was coming for some throats, and he was gonna be stomping on some toes, and you know cancel culture um just the aspect of culture itself to where he basically was questioning is this our culture is or do you believe that doing this 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 supporting this this and this is this our culture and if it is then we need a new culture then we need to think about and revamp some things and he literally was talking about how you know how self-destructive the culture is and how he literally stepped away from the culture. Um, and then that second half, you know, it's just very introspective of who he is, the trauma and stuff that he's dealt with growing and maturing as a man, overcoming some obstacles and, and traumas and stuff. Like it, it was, it was amazing. There's nobody like him. No, there's nobody. And that's what, and that's what I like about. That's what I like so much about him that he, he deliberately, sees what's going on and diverges. He he's he's a divergent. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he literally goes other ways. Like he doesn't follow the crowd. There's that meme I know we've all seen where there's a crowd of people walking one direction and then like one lone person walking a different direction. Like that that represents Kendrick Lamar artistically or just who he is, period. Um, because he has the makeup of being like every other gangster rapper because he has literally come from it. He comes from Compton. He's seen all, you heard all the stories he's told. He could have easily gone the gangster rapper route, mm-hmm. but he, he did something completely different, completely different to the point to where your favorite rapper's favorite rapper is afraid of Kendrick Lamar. And there's literally only one person as far as of this generation who I would even mention standing beside Kendrick Lamar and that's J. Cole. Like, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Anybody else. And yeah, that's that's just it. Like, my 1A is Kendrick Lamar. My 1B is J. Cole. So, shout I out to I feel Cole. like, um, uh, you know, I wasn't really feeling rap for a while. Uh-huh. But right. J. Cole, like, there were two two points in time where I was just like, yeah, I don't really listen to rap. Yep. And the first time that I had that, ooh, breath of fresh air was when I heard College Dropout by Kanye. Uh-huh. Yep. Then I was like, oh, he's like a breath of fresh air. And of course now, you know, we know how that goes. But yeah, you know when he J. seems Cole... to be so prophetic. You know, I I got to say Kanye, and that's why like I don't feel sorry for him because mm-hmm. you know it seems that he's brought all this on to himself where he's prophesied this on himself because you know um, you keep you keep on you stay right, girl, and when he get on, he, he asked for a white, white girl. girl. That's what he said out of his own mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah, he did. And, you know, and this changes from, you know, college dropout when he was on Never Let Me Down, when he was like, you know, and I I, I promise you, Mr. Rainey, I'm going to marry your daughter. And I, mm-hmm. and I say, I, and I got to thank you how the way that she was brought up. Like, you, you had a real good one. She's really pretty, too. Like, I forgot her name. Kim, something like that. But basically, the one who was holding him down and he was coming out the mud, going through the trenches. And then when he got on, then it was the white girls. And that's the one thing that I hate about these rappers and entertainers. Um, because it's like for them, and why I've always had that take of, you know, these entertainers and these people, we have a self-hatred within ourselves, uh, more specifically talking to black men right now, is that we don't feel like we've made it until we've had something exotic or different on our arms. Like, yeah, the, the Keishas and Toyas are, are coming through the mud with us. The, the, they're the ones riding and dying for us. They're the ones coming through the trenches. And then we finally make it out. Oh, no, I'm not really that. Ex- so so now I'm going to mess all that up. All right, thank you, Toyas and Keishas and blah, 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 blah. Now, nah, let me go over here to the, you know, uh, to the white chicks. Or the thank exotic you a lot of the time. <laughs> it's yeah. just like a. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, that, that's what I hate. And that's the thing that I hated about Kanye's story um, is the fact that, you know, 
the, the type of woman you wanted, the type of woman you tried to make Kim be for you. The other Kim, I, 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 I forgot her name, and I'm, it's probably good that I, I don't because, you know, she sh- shouldn't be connected to Kanye in any way at this point. But the, the woman that you were with, the one that was holding you down, she was that for you. And she would have been that for you even after your mother passed. And so you, you had that, like you tried to come into a particular moment of clarity and tried to make Kim follow along and follow suit. But no, Kim is Kim, mm-hmm. you know? And when Kim goes, Kim, you can't be mad and you whining and bitching and complaining on social media about how Kim is being Kim, but she's always been Kim. Yeah. So you knew that before you married her. And, and you knew that before you married her. Matter of fact, you was trying to get with her when she was legally married to someone else. So why are you mad that she's letting someone else get with her when she's still legally married to you? Talking about Pete Davidson. And so it's she, like And she left you for Pete Davidson, yo. Yeah. Pete yeah. Davidson? Yeah. Oh. More than ten years younger than you know, a good ten years younger than she is, and as as Pete Davidson is, he's got he's got a body count. Just about every R and B singer, diva, actress, he's got a notch under the belt. So it's like him. But I don't, I don't understand how he has. Okay, I I I don't either. the The only explanation is the explanation I'm not going to give. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that must be the reason. <laughs> right, that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, yeah, you that's what I'm working not with going something. to get into. You gotta be working with something because yeah. I yep. just I don't see it. Literally. He's goofy. <laughs> his his and, reputation must precede himself. That's all I'm going to say. Like that. That's the only logical reason. But even still, stigmatizing females or something. Yeah. Yep. Must Basically, stigmatizing all these hoes out here. <laughs> um, so understand. that's what it is. I don't understand. But yeah, shout out to. Uh, um, the lady who unfortunately, well, fortunately, dodged a bullet in Kanye West back in the day. Um, you know, when when he says in his song, um, "Any girl I cheated on, sheets were skeeted on, couldn't leave it at home, couldn't keep it at home, thought I needed a knee alone." And uh, you know, so he tells the story. Oh, you know, but it's funny those things wrong hit me right. Write this song. It's like, yeah, it's it's cool, but it's still fucked up. So like yeah, everybody's dancing along, you know. I'ma touch the sky, cool, but nah, that's dirty what you did. To and then you want to talk about black and proud and blah 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 blah. That's but that's all I'm saying. Just keep the same energy. That's all. All right. So I got to rant about some things. Well, just one thing in particular. Um, I'm sure by now everyone has heard about the the massacre that happened at um in Buffalo, New York. Where, you know, a a guy walked into a grocery store and murdered 10 people, shot 13. Um, and as the days go on, more information is coming out and people are trying to you know, either get ahead of it to monetize it because it's just what people do. Um, narratives are being spun People are politicizing the event. Um, 
And I just want to, and I saw this, I read it, you know, I saw news coverages, I saw interviews and segments and stuff. And outside of this absolutely pissing me the fuck off, it really deeply, deep, deeply saddens me. Like, I'm seeing how the game is being played. And I'm seeing the evil that will always remain. And the evil that the black people will unfortunately have to always be aware of. And what we really have to find ways of looking to and protecting ourselves. So KT, I'm sure you've heard about the Buffalo shooting. Um, before I get into my diatribe, what did you think about it? Uh-huh. <laughs> the thing about a lot of these renegade white folk uh-huh. is that you either got to grab a gun or it's got to be a gang of y'all with guns going after us. Y'all can't never really confront somebody by yourselves. No. Because uh-huh. you know you get your ass whooped. Uh-huh. Nine times out of ten, you're going to get your ass whooped. So it's really a whole bunch of cowardly shit going on. Just cowardly. Yes. And you know, act like you're so powerful or so big and but everything you do is cowardly. Like yep. I don't <laughs> you you can't come yep. up with stuff on your own, you gotta steal it. It's just that has been the culture that y'all have. That's y'all's culture because y'all don't have any real culture of your own. <laughs> your culture is it's stealing, out of stealing it from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you know me, I love it. Some everybody, if you, if you cool with me, I'm cool with you. You know right. what I mean? I'm not saying this about all, but there's a lot of y'all. It's a lot that are just oblivious, either oblivious to the fact that you got some tendencies or you just flat out races and don't care. I think just to piggyback off that statement, I would say that those that people pretend to be oblivious, they pretend like they don't know what's going on, but they do. But they do. True. It's mm-hmm. it's an inherent, which is completely ironic, but it's an inherent 
victimhood mm-hmm. that's always portrayed. So, like, for example, you remember, and this happened recently, there was a video of this white kid that went to this black family's door. He has a whip in his hand, and apparently he's he's mad about something. He goes to the door, he beats on the door, he beats on the door with the whip, and then the mother comes out and is like, you know, don't you beat on my door like this? What is your problem? Get out of here. And so the kid storms off, and as he storms off, he um, beats on the car with this whip. So the father and the mother goes to this kid's home to talk to the parents, to let the parents know like, Hey, your kid just came over here and, you know, caused some damage to our door, to our car about telling them what happened. And the dude, then the father, the white father, you know, just acted completely, completely oblivious. Like he didn't know what was going on. Uh, then just acted like he was the victim. Like, Oh my God, you coming to my home. Uh, get off my property and you come on over here. There's that in the third and the the black husband and wife, the father and mother, you know, they weren't screaming. They weren't yelling, but they were like, no, your kid just came over here and I'm telling you what your kid has done to our property. And the white, the, the white man didn't want to hear it. Just completely acted um, like he was the victim. Please tell me they had a ring doorbell that caught it on camera. Yep. Yep. So caught the whole thing on 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 their uh, doorbell camera, mm-hmm. and the white man brought a gun outside when he stepped outside to talk to um, the the husband and the wife, the, the black husband and wife. He had he had a gun in his hand, like oh get off my property. No, he he didn't do that and just acting completely stupid and mm-hmm. not basically wanting to take accountability for what has happened and, and his son behavior just acted like, you know what? That's not my problem. Okay. Whatever happened, it just happened. So now, now get away from me. Get off my property. You're harassing us. And he has a gun in his hand. And so that pisses the, the black man off. And, you know, the woman's like, no, chill out. Cause you know, they'll shoot you. And the first thing they'll say is what? I was in fear of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-defense. I was in fear of my life. You know? So they back <laughs> off. And then in, in the, as it gets heated, as far as words being exchanged, the gun misfires. Of course, didn't hit or, you know, didn't hit anyone, but he misfires the gun. White man ends up being arrested all because um, the wife was recording it all. So that was the only reason it was able to be, he was able to be arrested. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the end of it. Maybe not. But that being said, those instances, like your, your son showing up to my home with a whip, a whip. Where do you get a whip in 2022? Where you're beating on my door with it, you're beating on my car with it, and you're looking for my child. That's what you know he was looking for, the child that lived there. And you think he's gonna do what? Whip my child? And I was like, so like the the woman was a lot better than me because if I would have came to the door to this little kid beating on my door with a whip, thinking you're gonna whip my child, oh, you was gonna get a Sparta kick, and I don't care. What the the story is? Yeah, grown man, Spartan kicks, a uh, little child. You damn right. I'm, I was. I would have Sparta kicked that bitch right off my porch. But anyway, uh, but it's just the the part of accountability and the the willful 
Ignorance. You know, oblivious act. Emphasis on act. They know what's going on. They know what's going on. You don't think they have these conversations behind closed doors? They certainly do. More often than not, they do. And some people, unfortunately, are just more emboldened than others. We know. We know that I'd they know. I'd rather have the emboldened ones. You know what? Honestly, yes. I know where you stand. It's the exactly. little underhanded Honestly, yes. uh, pretending, oh, I I just love you and, mm-hmm. you know, the smile in your face, but behind yep. your back. You know, and saying all those those little catchphrases, oh, we're all in this together, oh, mm. we all bleed red, and, and you know, I, I don't all see color, you know, all, all those things. Yeah. You know, so all, all that shit. They say that, but then behind closed doors, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I'm like, and you know, the, the best way to, of, of finding out and the best way of bringing it to the forefront, those type of people, their children, have them bring a black person home as their boyfriend or girlfriend. More specifically, <laughs> have their white daughters bring home that that black boy and say, "This is my boyfriend," and see how it just oozes out of them like a pimple. Yo, just watch. have you heard that song, American Pharaoh? Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. I feel like that's yep. that's it. Yep. There's a particular guy I think about every time I bring up a point like that, and I don't give a fuck. His name is Chris Nanny, guy I went to school with. Um, and I'm going to refer to him uh, <laughs> later on in, in my diatribe because there's just uh, a a realization of how this is close to home for me when it comes to this Buffalo shooter and the things that spurred him to do what he did. So there's a particular thing. So hold on to that. So here's what I think when it comes to... Um, this Buffalo incident and how I feel that the hatred is homegrown. Everything he got, he was influenced uh, and emboldened to do what he did with everything that happens and continues to happen behind the scenes here. So I'm going to play a little clip from a show called the boys for those who Watch the boys. Yay, yay for us. But it's a show on Amazon. Uh, Amazon, And it's about, you know, superheroes and this, that, and the third. But there's a particular clip that I want to play. Um, and of course, for those who's listening, I won't, I'll have to cut this part out because, you know, you know, I know you want to listen to music and stuff like that. And, you know, copyright stuff. So I'll cut this part out. We'll fast forward. But for those who's watching, we're going to watch this little clip. And I just want y'all to kind of see the message that's happening in this clip from this show. So let's check it out. All right. So for those who are, are listening, of course, now, you know, we just fast forward through, through the clip because yeah, you know, I'm, I got y'all in mind, but for those who watch that's from season two, episode seven, that's the opening scene of the show, the boys, um, whether you like the show or even know what the show is, I'm pretty sure if you watched it, you pretty much know what that clip was basically saying. The message of that clip is to show how people can be influenced into anything through constant nuanced propaganda. 
So for mm. I, I will I'll, I'll explain what has happened because I see a stark parallel between this clip and this clip as far as the show. This was a couple years ago, and what happened in Buffalo. So like this is a superhero based show. For time's sake, I won't get too deep into the context and nuance of the show. Personally, I think it's an amazing show based off the comic of the same name again, The Boys. Now, in this particular arc of the show. The superheroes are now facing the reality of supervillains, right? Superpowered bad guys that's entering the U.S. or publicly holding anti-American views that the superheroes now coin those people as super terrorists, right? You follow me? So there's a particular superhero who leads this charge. In the media, her name is Stormfront. So you kind of saw images of her throughout the clip. Her message and stance seems rather patriotic at first, right? She says things like, we need to protect America. Illegal immigrants are invading our country. Uh, The liberals are trying to replace and silence us, so we need to stand up, fight back, and take back our country. Sounds very familiar, right? Now, she's later revealed to be a white nationalist, a Nazi to be specific, and her messages through the media were dog whistles to her white power agenda. Now, superhero show aside, there is an actual white supremacist group based out of Florida that's actually named Stormfront. So if you caught and managed to piece that together already, kudos to y'all to to find a little Easter egg there. So in this scene, you see a young man, blue-collar, everyday guy, going to school up at 7.30 every morning, gets himself together, kisses his mom goodbye, heads off to school, stops by a nearby convenience store, interacts with the Middle Eastern store clerk, and goes about his day. Now, he has to be a, a fan of this Stormfront superhero. He has a poster of her on his wall. He has a Stormfront action figure follows her on social media, and he faithfully listens to her messages as she speaks through various sources of media, right? So what started as listening to a news segment here and there and liking a few memes, now you saw him at 3 o'clock in the morning frantically enveloping himself in the propaganda. Now clearly hearing and adhering to the dog whistles and the coded messages. Now finally deciding to join the righteous cause, he gets a gun, goes to that convenience store, He suspects that that clerk, that Middle Eastern clerk, is a super terrorist villain. He shoots, kills him, and now we have a tragedy, right? So, of course, the point of this scene is to show how one can be influenced through constant nuanced propaganda to the point you can embolden anyone to do anything. This young man's fear and his hatred was literally homegrown. So here's the parallel that I have. That I, when when I read about what happened and saw the dude and what got and what he got into, I was like, "This is just like that damn clip that I saw from the show." So here's the thing: Peyton Grindon, that's his name, 18 years old, literally becomes engulfed in white nationalist propaganda that he's been exposed through via the internet and media, specifically conservative media. It just is what it is. Now, he writes a 180-page manifesto, which we'll get back to later. Dude what wrote that he was, quote, manifestos, th- that's, that's, that's my thing. Like, what is up with all these crazy white dudes feel like they got to write this manifesto? He d- This dude did it. Remember Dylan Roof, the dude who went and shot up the, the, the church? In Charleston. He wrote mm-hmm. one. He had one. He cited Candace Owens in his. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. So he he praised Candace Owens in his manifesto as he shoots up a church. 
And there's another guy that I mentioned here in just a second. He had one. So he wrote a 180 page manifesto. And he says that he quote was radicalized on the internet where he was bored during the early days of the pandemic. Not by any people he has personally met. That's what he wrote in his manifesto. Now, one white nationalist conspiracy theory that spurned him to action is a not so secret theory that we actually touched on in a recent podcast. Now, this theory is called the Great Replacement Theory. Now, you will not replace you. Us. You remember, uh huh. Now, you remember doing the uh, the Charleston, Virginia, the Virginia one when they walked through and screaming, "You will not replace us!" All right. You remember when we kind of just touched on at the very end of last podcast of the reason that maybe this Roe v. Wade was overturned because they need to preserve white babies. There's a low birth rate within the white race uh, and we need to change that. All right. So he now this dude wrote in his manifesto that through research, he came to see low white birth rates around the world as a crisis that will ultimately result in the complete racial and cultural replacement of the European people. And that's basically the, the great replacement theory in a nutshell, that there are specific agendas driven to replace white people and white and the majority, as we talked about again in the last pod, that by, you know, national geographic put out that, that prediction um, or was it Tom? One of the major magazine publications put out their prediction that by like 2050, the average American will not be white, right? Um, so this dude's research brought him to the knowledge of another manifesto writing psychopath by the name of Britton Harrison Tarrant, a self-proclaimed white supremacist alt-right Australian man who in 2019 posted his manifesto online traveled to Christchurch, New Zealand and shot up two Muslim mosques, killing 51 people, injuring 40 while live streaming the entire event to Facebook. So back to this Peyton dude, he comes across this story and in his manifesto describes how he agreed with and became fascinated with this New Zealand massacre and wanted to follow in his footsteps. Ideas begin to surface when he threatened to shoot up a school while he was still in high school. So he threatens to shoot up a school. They put him through a, mental evaluation, which they later released him as, oh, he was okay. Why he, this gave him the idea of this attack here in Buffalo. So he, he starts the attack in January, but he plans it. He chose top supermarket because quote in his manifesto, it has the highest black population percentage. He details in his manifesto step in manifesto, step-by-step plans for the day, including what this motherfucker will eat for breakfast the type of body armor he wear, how he hold the gun, and even had a building layout of the grocery store. Like, yeah. So then he writes, on the day of this attack, he writes various things on the gun. Epithets such as nigger, which, you know, of course, they just have to write that out. Writes nigger on the gun. There's the number 14 written on the gun, which is a white supremacist number, often combined with the number 88. So the number 14 in white supremacist code is shorthand for the 14 word slogan, which is we must secure the existence of our people and the future for white children. 
That's the 14 word slogan. And now that's normally combined with the number 88, which stands for how Hitler, which H being the eighth letter of the alphabet. Not so subtle there. Other things he written on this gun on the, on the butt of the gun, he writes, here's your reparations on the gun. Have you seen this picture with this, with that? They took a picture of the dude's gun and see how all this stuff written on it on the butt of the gun. He writes, here's your reparations. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Now, among other things, because here's where some interesting context is being used and people are trying to politicize this thing. Among other things, the name of Virginia Sorensen was written on the gun. Her name stems from what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I don't know if you remember. This was maybe last year, maybe a couple of years ago. A black man, Daryl Brooks, was fleeing the police in a domestic violence incident. And in his attempt to escape, he barreled through barricades on an ongoing Christmas parade, plowed through a bunch of people, killing six people, with uh, Virginia Sorensen being one of the ones. You know, of course, they're all white. So they said through his Daryl Brooks social media, they find, you know, social media posts of him supporting Black Lives Matter. He posted a video of a white girl saying a bunch of racist shit. And his caption is, this is learned and taught behavior. So when we start back knocking white people the fuck out, I don't want to hear it. Old white people too. Knock them the fuck out, period. They took that post. They found posts of him endorsing the belief that blacks are the real Jews. And it was concluded that Dale Brooks must have been a black supremacist. So going back to old Peyton here, part of this act was to quote unquote, avenge the innocent white lives that this black supremacist murderer took. Right. So it's like, no, that's not, not right. That's not what happened. But anyway, wasn't a black supremacist, but anyway, went there, did what he did, shot 10 killed, shot, uh, and killed 10 people, injuring 13, specifically targeting black and brown people. So much so that when he accidentally shot or pointed his gun at a white person, upon realizing he was white, he apologized to the white man and said, I'm sorry. And then continued on to shoot more people. He saw a white man and said, oh, sorry. And then continued on. So this is just to show how easily one can be influenced through constant nuanced propaganda to the point you can embolden anyone to do anything. This young man's fear and hate was literally homegrown. Now, what does that mean for black people? I've said it time and time and time and time again, that racism is not going away. It's, it's cool that, you know, we've created this anti-racist stance and all of these things, but Honestly, I don't see the point. I don't see the point because there is no way we're going to destroy racism. Racism is not going away. Racism is going to be something that will continuously be a part of our lives. And as much as they come with, oh, well, black people can be racist too and, and all lives matter and all that type of bullshit. We know what it is. We know what it is. So like understand and how they twisted up. Now, I'm not defending Daryl Brooks and what he did. What he did was some bullshit. He had a long rap sheet where he just been committing crimes for the past 20 plus years with a bunch of stupid stuff. But they went to social media, found some posts where he was responding to or supporting Black Lives Matter as far as the message of it. Um, 
posted up a video of this white girl saying racist shit and he's like all right well fuck that basically it was a an eye for an eye all right y'all saying this y'all saying this all right we're gonna start knocking you the fuck out then what's up but they took that like oh no he's inciting violence against white people but are you going to completely ignore the clip that he put up of a white person being racist no but that's besides the point so they coined him a black supremacist those those sides are and that that narrative flourished throughout those sect of people to where now him literally fleeing from the police trying to get away from police and made a dumbass decision lost control and killed people while trying to escape police is now looked at as he specifically went out looking for white people to kill he saw white innocent white people and so he just mowed them down in cold blood like that's that's not what happened but okay but black people here's here's what i feel like we have to do now because at this point i know we're tired but i'm tired of these sect of white people who you do all these things out of sheer cowardice y'all never do shit straight up you always go to grocery stores and churches and these places where you know you will find the least resistance. You're going to show up with a semi-automatic rifle, bulletproof vest, helmets, tactical gear, all these type of shit, and you're going to go to a church. You're going to go to a grocery store. You're going to scout a grocery store for months or however long you did it for what? To do what? Now, he did find a little bit of resistance. There was a security guard, a, a retired police officer, who did fire some shots and actually hit him. But he had on body armor and, you know, it didn't penetrate the bulletproof vest. And the security guard was ultimately one of the victims who, who lost their lives that day. But this is what I, like, at some point we got to say, okay, this can't happen anymore. And... There is an organization who I believe we all should start looking to. And that's called that organization is called Black Guns Matter or any type of black 2A Second Amendment gun safety, gun ownership, gun education group. Honestly, that's what I feel. Um, I see the argument of we got to take guns away. I, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. The one time there was one time in American history where white people, these type of white people were afraid, were afraid of us. And that time was when the black Panther party of defense was walking around and they were armed. When they literally had the mindset of we will protect our own. We will That's educate. That's how we're going to get the gun laws changed. If black people keep buying up guns, yeah. they're going to definitely change the laws. Yeah. Y'all because y'all know. That's when, and that's when the only time the National Rifle Association ever supported gun laws or gun control. That was the only time you saw the National Rifle Association support any type of gun legislation was when black people started arming themselves. And you saw them walking around the streets. You saw them patrolled in their own neighborhoods. You saw them doing things as far as educating their own, teaching their own, feeding their own. You saw self-sufficiency. And then you saw 
any black man walking down the street and he had some sort of firearm on him. Oh, oh, now we got to do something about this. And when they entered, I forgot what, what government building they entered to talk to someone for legislation rights and stuff. I was like, oh no, we can't do this. We got to get these guns out of these Negroes' hands. And ever since then, your Democratic Party and your Democratic people have been talking to you about gun control, gun control, get the guns out the street, get the guns out the street, while they still just flood our communities with drugs and guns. Gun control is not needed because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when these little white boys and these white cowards want to come to a place and they know, oh, if I go to this place, I'm going to meet resistance. They will think twice and they will keep trolling and talking that big shit on the internet because they won't do that shit in real life. If they know it doesn't matter where I go, there's going to be somebody there. Somebody there who's going to be posted up and ready. And I, and that's, that's all. I'm just like, we continue to try to put our safety in the hands of people who don't care about our safety. That, that's the part that really pisses me off. And we're going to have to start taking our destiny into our own hands. We're looking to these democratic people and these policies thinking that you, I'm, I'm putting you in charge of my own safety. Where wherever you are, you're living nice and good, but there's a maniac who just walked into my grocery store with a gun and he's shooting people that looks like me. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of seeing these tragedies. I really am. I'm tired of seeing these tragedies and I'm tired of seeing the bullshit that comes from these tragedies of stupid people trying to politicize these matters. So what I mean by that is we just agreed and came to the agreements with Candace Owens. We just, just, just a pot ago. And she comes back with this bullshit here. So this is what she says. A black supremacist took a vehicle and plowed it into a group of white people at a Christmas parade, uh, a Christmas parade in Waukesha. I don't even know if I said that right. Is it Waukesha, Waukesha? Anyway, a white supremacist carved the name of one of those white parade victims onto a rifle and live stream a mass shooting in a majority black neighborhood. Both acts are heinous, but they will not earn equal coverage in the media. Our dishonest, race-obsessed media should be blamed for both of these massacres. They will elevate the Buffalo shooting because white crimes versus black victims is preferred. The cycle of hate continues. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What wanna, are you talking I, about? I just want to punch her in the throat. Because like, what I just, <laughs> just, just, just want to punch her in the throat what sometimes. Are you talking about? Like, girl, shut up. Like, because now here comes seat, the gimmick. Ma'am. So here's the gimmick. Where it's like, first of all, Daryl Brooks is not a black supremacist. He did not go out there with the intent, the hatred to find white people to kill. He didn't, a black supremacist took a vehicle and applied it. He didn't say, I'm, I'm killing white people today. Oh, look at this. There's a parade. There's white people there. I'm going to run them over and kill them because black power. That is not what he did. Now, he has a long history of crime. He was a criminal. Absolutely. He was a criminal. So I'm not coming to the support of him, but I need people to tell the truth. 
And we talked about this before in the last pod. We just talked about this, how we're going to give a little bit of truth, but we're going to give a lot of sensationalism and drama. So this is the narrative that she put out there. And did you see 24, almost 25,000 people liked it. Almost 7,000 people retweeted this. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. And so, yes, the cycle of hate will continue because the way you form this narrative to say that, oh, a black man attacked white people. So a white person attacked black people. The cycle of hate continues. Oh, but one won't be covered like the other one because they don't care about white lives. They only prefer black lives. That, that's, that's what she's saying. Oh, the, the, both of these acts are equally heinous because the same thing happened, but it was just the roles were reversed. No, it wasn't. Because he said, oh, we should knock white people out because they saying racist shit. And when we start knocking y'all out because of y'all learned and uh, y'all learned behavior, they don't want to hear shit. Y'all took that and ran with a narrative. Oh, he must be a black supremacist. Oh, he he flirted with the idea of, of Hebrew Israelites. Oh, he's a black supremacist. So when he did what he did, oh, a black supremacist went and mowed down a group of white people because he was a black supremacist. And no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. So why are y'all running with this narrative? That's bullshit. What these are not the same. Yes, both acts are heinous, but not in the way that you're trying to word it and, and you try to form the narrative. That's bullshit. So, yes, the cycle of hate will continue because coons like you will continue it on. Because you have a base of people that you want to keep in the same state as that young man, as that boy that we saw in that clip of the boys. They will listen to people like you. And every day they will be emboldened, emboldened in hatred and fear. And they will continue to do things like that. That's why people like Dylan Roof has you, Candace Owens, in his manifesto. Agreeing with the things that you have spewed out of your fucking mouth. So the cycle of hate will continue because of people like you. It's complete. It's unfortunate thoughts and prayers go out to, you know, the families of the victims. Um, I was just kind of reading up on the stories of the people who, who lost their lives. And it's just, it's just been so heartbreaking. All right, look, y'all um, let us know what you think. First and foremost, uh, thank you guys for, for the support. Uh, we had this crazy uptick. We had like 500 downloads in the last like four or five days or so. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for the reviews y'all have left. Shout out to Stephen Gold for the dope rating that you left us on, on Apple uh, podcast platform. Thank y'all so much, man. Thank y'all. I'm not sure y'all. what happened, but thank y'all. Welcome to every, welcome everybody. The first time listeners and those who's been here from day one and, and the, from now on and the never agains even. Thank y'all. <laughs> Welcome. Um, but hey, this is episode 83 of the Talk My Credo podcast. I'm your boy, Dante Credo. KT is in the building. La da 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 da. It's the, the motherfucking D O N T E. Hey. Say what? La da 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 You know, I'm with my girl. She's KT. Hey, come on. I do this. <laughs> I does this. I does this. I does this. Yeah, Stop playing with me. On that one, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, okay. I, I try to do better. All right, y'all. Look, it's another episode of the Talk My Credo podcast. I'm your boy Dante Credo 
Remember to like, share, subscribe, follow, leave us a rating, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for all the support. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you guys so much. But until next time on this great Monday, peace.